0: Welcome into the Panthers Podcast, a post draft edition here recapping the Carolina Panthers 2017 draft class on Max Henson of Panthers.com alongside two outstanding individuals and really two draft experts, mm. if I do say. Bill Both, Mm-mm. Brian Strickland. What's up? Guys experts
1: are really using that term loosely. It's true, you guys are experts. How'd what you, you how'd you do in your mock, Brian?
2: Um, I did just as well as Mel Kiper did in his mock, I believe. What did he get? Four, right, out of the top
1: 32? Most of the things I saw was these guys got like three or four or five, right? I think the most I saw was, was Jason McIntyre from the big lead got seven. Yeah, I Very mean, I do
2: feel like it gives you somewhat of a baseline, I will say that, because a lot of the guys that they say would be drafted in the first round are indeed drafted in the first round. I guess that's not that hard to accomplish, mm, yeah, no. but,
0: but at, least, at least they got that yeah. part. I think everybody had a pretty good handle on what the first round was going to look like. You're right. But, yeah, those mock drafts are pretty impossible. I will say, a lot of people thought Christian McCaffrey yes. was going to go to the Panthers in number 8, and that's indeed what happened. And that's really a good place for us to start, guys. Um, obviously, everybody was looking forward throughout this whole draft process to see what Carolina was going to do with that first overall pick, drafting inside the top 10. And they come away with Christian McCaffrey, and as I just mentioned, this was kind of all signs were pointing in that direction. Bill gets some credit for on his story on the website. Pointing out that that was the best guess scenario, even though mm. me and Brian might have a, a word or two to say about how that all went.
1: We can down. explain that. That's that's <laughs> let's hash that out. All right, let's hash it out. Yeah. Let's hash it out. So the draft was what, on Thursday. Correct. That's correct. And
0: on Tuesday,
1: did I come in saying, "Listen, I think it. I think it might be Solomon Thomas." Was that when it was? And then I. And then I. Yes. You and I were going to write Solomon Thomas. And then uh, Tuesday afternoon, <laughs> I said, it was like, a, I, I, I reserve my right." Because there was some scuttlebutt, yeah, well, that 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 there was no way he was going to fall past the Chargers, right?
0: And so you're like,
2: I'm not going to write that scenario anymore. I'll let someone else write that.
0: Exactly. So I took the bullet there. But I will say, a week earlier, when I was the one who said Salomon Thomas going to the Panthers in the first round, Bill was the one who told me I was crazy. Mm And then here we were a few days later. That crazy,
1: it was, and I said, I'm speaking as a fan here, but man, go go get some offense. Well,
0: that's what they did. Go get some offense. They got plenty of offense. They got plenty of offense with not only their first pick, but their second Mm -hmm. pick. And really, I think that's the main story to talk about coming away from this draft class for Carolina. We had heard all about this new direction that the offense was going to be going into, heading into the 2017 season. Ron Rivera had talked at length about it. And then it was, okay, well, what are they going to do in the draft? Are we going to see a reflection of that in some of their picks? And we certainly did. The first two, McCaffrey and Samuel, seemed to indicate a new direction that this offense is going.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of, of course, Leonard Fournette talk before the draft, certainly a talented back that would bring a lot to any team, really. He would fit with any team, so to speak. But, yeah, if you were talking about if the offense is going to change – it's easy to see where Christian McCaffrey makes more sense along those lines. Of course, we don't know how what would have happened if Leonard Fournette had been on the board. I mean, board, wouldn't that, isn't
0: that interesting to think about, though? I mean, obviously the Panthers were very high on Fournette. What if he hadn't come off the board, and maybe that was the guy they take at eight? And what what is the conversation about this offense then? Because right. that's the guy everybody looks at as a throwback kind of style, not what McCaffrey is in kind of this new wave, modern NFL running back, Swiss Army knife type, but, I mean – That's all old news now we're moving forward with here with christian interesting to think about it
2: is and of course then we talk about the some people talking about the overlap between curtis samuel the second round pick and christian mccaffrey you know maybe it would have been okay so to speak Mm -hmm. if we had taken Fournette in the first round you get curtis samuel you still get some of that with the way you went in the second round but i think it's fascinating to have both of those guys and you know are they just tearing up the playbook and starting over again
1: with these guys, that's a good question. Can we get Mike Shula on the show as our next guest? I don't know if Mike's available at the moment. Maybe for next time. for the Panthers <laughs> <laughs> podcast. I think that's the most fascinating thing coming out of this draft is is when you look at what the Panthers did two years ago with drafting Shaq Thompson. They weren't in the very front of that wave. I think Arizona was, but it was using these guys who are kind of playing out of position, who aren't safe. In Shaq's case the traditional linebacker, but using him to counter, say, the Jimmy Grahams in the slot. So now that so many defenses are doing that, the Panthers are trying to counter with guys that are now more athletic than, say, the Shaq Thompson types. Now, the Panthers aren't the first team that have ever tried something like this before. So while this is innovative to a point, it's not like they're the complete innovator. Sure. I think this is, we've seen the the Patriots do things like this uh, quite a while. We've we've seen this is what a lot of what the Falcons did last year. With, with being able to throw out of the backfield. I think before the Panthers played in Atlanta last year, the Falcons played the Saints, and I think Julio Jones had one catch that game, mm-hmm. and the running backs had like, I don't know, let to say like 12, 15 catches, yeah. some ridiculous amount of catches. So I think a lot of that well, would like, transfer over to what Carolina's trying to do.
0: Patriots in the Super Bowl. James White was the guy who was, you know, one of the major heroes of that game, and you saw time and time again Tom Brady go into that well, and he saw how effective it was. And So you're right, I mean, this is... Not a new idea to use an athletic, pass-catching running back, but I think the fascinating thing about McCaffrey is he's so much more than that, and this is a kind of unique next-level athlete at this position. And looking at, especially what Dave Gettleman had to say afterwards, yeah, everybody's talked about how good he is out of the backfield as a receiver, the athletic profile, the quickness, but I don't think he gets enough credit for how good he is as a pure running back, between the tackles. And that's something that Gettleman spoke to, was he puts him up there with Curtis Martin as the best, pure, between-the-tackle runner he's ever seen. And he's again, this is a kid who, yes, is 5'11", 200 pounds. People question his ability to go between the tackles. He's coming from a Stanford program that runs the most pro-style offense, specifically with their running game, really that you're going to find in college football. So I think yes, he does all these things as a Swiss Army knife, but also you're getting a guy that if you just hand him the ball straight on as a running back, like you see time and time again throughout the course of the history of this league, he's a guy that is a dangerous player in just that sense.
2: Yeah, and uh, you know the durability question came up to Dave Gettleman as well because he is a quote unquote smaller guy. He, you know, he he quoted some stats that I'm not prepared to quote about how many times he handled the load, how many times he handled the ball at Stanford and came out no worse for the wear. NFL, potentially a different beast. But, I mean, some of the running backs we talked about that we compare him to, there's not like a crazy injury history there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a rugged league. I mean, everybody gets injured. I mean, look how tough Jonathan Stewart is. Of course, he runs tough as well, and he has you know his injury problems here and there. But, I mean, any running back is susceptible to that. I don't think that's a, a big deal
1: like some people may try to make it out to be. I think, though, it is a fair question. Right. To have going into McCaffrey's concern, running in between the tackles in the Pac-12 right. is much different than in the NFL, and that's why if True. you're a Panthers fan, you just hope that Dave Gettleman and the scouts they just they see the quickness and the vision, and he'll be able to use that at this next level to get past. Those big bodies, but I think it's fair. All these guys, whether you're Miles Garrett or Christian McCaffrey or whoever, they all they all have question marks c- mm-hmm. coming in. Right. So while while Dave thinks he might be able to squeeze through the middle there, and, and he's hopeful, I think it's fair to, to wonder if that's actually what will happen.
2: Yeah, you guys pay any attention to how he takes hit takes contact, so to speak. I mean, you look at YouTube, of course, you don't see anybody tackling. Yeah, it's him. hard We're to just seeing to get him get running over. for touch. You should
1: make it like that, like the do a clip, start doing <laughs> clips of like bad plays, but not really bad plays, Blue right. Bears, just like normal plays, like a two yard game. <laughs> that would be the NFL made a, actually the NFL made a commercial out of that, right? With the Falcons with they the did. Panthers as yes. the victims uh, like a four-yard game. They did. Uh, I'm that. afraid so, yeah. yeah.
0: But I think Brian, you make a good point. I mean, there's not a big strike zone there. It's, it's yeah. not like you can really lay a huge lick on Christian McCaffrey because as we said, one of the benefits for a smaller running back, they hide behind these big guys and if you're smart, you know when to get out of bounds, you know when to protect yourself think that's something Christian will do. Well, another hey, small... Let me interrupt. Sorry. Go Le'Veon
1: ahead. Bell, he has struck up a little bit of a, an online friendship with Le'Veon yeah, over the past year or so. And because Christian has tried to do some of that patient running, as, as we are now aware that, right. that Le'Veon's been doing. And Christian, if you do watch some of those plays on YouTube or whatever, you can see signs of that and which i think is is certainly intriguing because it's funny when you watch levy you're like why don't more guys do this oh my it god it can't be that easy he's so fun to watch but it, it's amazing I, christian to watch has him parts run. of that in his game
0: yep and i think defenders they have a really hard time dealing with it just because you know you're you're taught to f- trust your instincts and flow to the ball quickly and levy bell makes you pay for that because he watches things develop and turns it into huge gains he's, he's such a fun running back to watch If christian mccaffrey can incorporate that into his game you know, look out. I think there's a special player in the makings there. But the second round pick as well, you know, it's it's along the same kind of lines as the Christian McCaffrey conversation. I think that's what makes this so fascinating is a similar player in a lot of ways. They were compared to each other, Curtis Samuel and Christian McCaffrey, throughout this pre-draft process of guys who, you know, Samuel Moore, wide receiver who can play running back, whereas McCaffrey was a running back who could play some wide receiver. But the point still remains, these kind of -of jack-of-all-trades, just great athlete put him somewhere in space where he can make a mismatch out of it and get you a big gain and so that's what the panthers do bringing in samuel in the second round primarily to play their slot position and i'm curious what you guys think about his potential in that role
2: yeah, so if Christian gets hurt, you just plug him in, right? Or you do okay, that. just kidding. Obviously, we don't want to talk about that type of thing. But, to- but you know, back to the small strike zone for Christian. You know, I haven't seen many clips where you know Curtis Samuel could possibly get hurt because he runs away from everybody with the four point three one speed. Yeah. Um, you know, it's. Um,
0: third fastest at the combine it's, with that speed, right?
2: Yeah, well, I, I mean, my reaction when they made that pick was, I mean, I knew they were high on Curtis Samuel. Um would they actually do that? I kind of speculated that in our look ahead today too. They did it. You know, it's a it's a different version. No, I do. That, I that, do. It? No, okay. but it's a different version of the Dave Gettleman double down, you know, we're, yep. so yep. Um, and again, back to what I said about how they get tear up the playbook, I'm I am not going to sit here and say I can quite visualize. We looked at some plays, though, Max, about ways that might look um, with those two on the field at the same time.
1: They're intrigued, I think, and and Dave mentioned this this weekend, that Samuel, because he has those running back skills, what he can do in the slot. Maybe more so, he can be a little harder to bring down than 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 most – slot guys he can obviously stretch the field and going back to that Falcons example which what I really thought was so difficult about them last year was okay fine you take those two running backs out of the equation well then they've got Julio Jones and a few other weapons okay the Panthers it's if you shut down Kelvin Benjamin and Greg Olson and you can kind of get a a, a, you know Jonathan Stewart shut down a little bit then then you've got a better chance but now with these two guys if you want to shut them down well then Olson and and Benjamin and Funches and Cam can do some things. Or, if you want to shut down Olsen and Benjamin and Funches, well, then you have these two other guys. And and I think that's what Kyle Shanahan and the Falcons were able to do last year that I think in some ways the Panthers are trying to emulate.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, how creative this offense could potentially be is what's really exciting. Because, as we've kind of been talking about ever since these guys got drafted, Maybe you motion McCaffrey from the backfield into the slot or out wide. Then Maybe you motion Samuel from a slot position into the backfield. And what is the defense going to do in response to that? And, and what are the kind of mismatches you can create in those scenarios? It's a really fun project that Mike Shula has on his hands right now. Is OK, I've got all these weapons at my disposal. What's the best way to take advantage of their skills? And I think it's going to be fascinating to see how that unfolds. I know that's what fans are really most excited about, is how do you use the pieces you've just inherited to the best of their ability? And... The thing about it is, I think it goes beyond just these two rookies. For this offense to really go forward in this new direction, it involves the other guys, too. Kelvin Benjamin, Devin Funchess, those games their games need to mature, as yep. Dave Gettleman had talked about before this draft even took place. Greg Olson is still going to be a huge part of this offense. Jonathan Stewart is still going to be a huge part of this offense. Oh, and by the way, the quarterback is going to have a role to play in this as well. And how is he going? To incorporate these new weapons, and how is he going to utilize them to the best of their ability? There's all those other existing pieces that I'm curious to see how they respond in reaction to this draft.
2: Yeah, I mean, with Cam specifically, like in some ways, you know, you can look at him as a facilitator a little more at times. I mean, it's not going to be all short passes right at the line of scrimmage, and. Bubble screens and that and that type of thing, but kind of like think about him as a point guard, you know, that's yeah. able to distribute to other people. And all by the way, he can score too. So you know, I, I guess I changed sports there I for mean, a I, second. Th- but th-
0: you just you just added players who do so well in space and a, in a situation where all it takes is just getting the ball in their hands quickly and let them do the rest. And I think that's something this offense hasn't really had with this kind of explosive potential that they have now with McCaffrey and Samuel.
1: Are you saying that you'd be disappointed if it was third and twelve and they just ran a draw? Is that
0: perhaps not that exciting? It's That's not that exciting. Okay. It's not. But sometimes it works. How about with Alex Armand, though? Well, we haven't, Sorry, I well, skipped. We, don't more. get well, ahead well, of well. yourselves. I know well, Bill. Well, I was excited <laughs> about it. Bill's been watching Alex Armand. Yeah, Arma but I do, I do
1: think you have to also mention the fullback is also going to be part of this offense, too. That's it another is. look. It's another wrinkle.
0: It is. It is. The one last thing on Samuel I thought was interesting was that I kind of forgot about was Dave Gellman talking about the vertical speed. Because mm-hmm. I think that was something everybody looked at him as a slot and said, okay, underneath, short passes. We kind of heard a lot about that. But this is your Ginn replacement. Right. This is your guy that now is going to be running straight down the field every now and then to take the top off the defense, which is a phrase we've heard for a while. They, they lost that when Ginn went to New Orleans. Now they've got another Ohio State Buckeye to come in and play that role of at least making the defense respect the fact that every once in a while he might turn on the Jets and go straight downfield, and you've got to account for that.
2: Which helps Kelvin and uh, yep. Devin, obviously, and then... You know, this is of course something we've done in the past. The the think about the reverses with Ted Ginn. I mean, there's been success with those. Clearly, using him in the running game here and there. What was Ted Ginn's speed back in the day? I don't know. You know, four, three, Gotta one in that in range. That range. Yeah. But now you got a running back with that speed, a guy that has serious running back skills, running reverses in that in that same yeah. scenario.
0: All right. Well, how about the big guy up front they got um, in the second round? Went with the offensive tackle, Western Michigan, Taylor Moten. And I know a lot of people were in kind of the Panther fans out there had looked at him as a potential guy that they might go after to kind of add to that offensive tackle depth. Seemed to me like this made a lot of sense for a lot of different reasons. I'm curious what you guys' are initial impressions are of, of, of Taylor. I know he was a fun guy just to hear talk when he came to Bank of America Stadium.
1: 428 is your answer on Ted Ginn. Oh, I thought you were talking
2: about uh, Mouton, Moton. <laughs> yeah, if that was we're his 48,
0: I'd say yeah. Moton.
1: 428. <laughs> <laughs> <eight>. No, it's <laughs> funny because you just do a Google search of it and then uh, other searches come up. Would you think? Jericho country, four, 5 454. This That's is at the combine, I right? I guess so. Derek I Anderson, at- five seconds.
2: Nice. Yeah.
1: Nice. I what, what's, what was Taylor Moten's? Yeah, come on. Sub so so five? So t- talking about Taylor Moten, first Speaking of all, under- I think, in, yes, we can talk about football. I think you guys are, are, are better at the X's and O's than I am. So I'm just going to say I love this guy's story as far as how he already got his degree, and I believe it was business, and he began going for his MBA, and I think it's accounting. But he's going to put a pause on that for the time being. It's awesome, uh, so he can uh, pursue his his football dream. It kind of sounds like a slacker, though. I mean, really, <laughs> you can't you can't do both. Come on.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I talked briefly to his uh, position coach at Western Michigan, Bill Kenney, a longtime coach at Penn State, and uh, of course the smarts thing came up. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. But uh, you know, he stated what's kind of the obvious that you need that in a um, in the offensive line room in the NFL. That's you know certainly. Um, you know, a tough position to contribute to right away, but he said he's ready. This guy's ready. Um, you know, t- stop me if you've heard this before, that he spends a lot of time in the film room. You know, that he the coaches Get would right. dis- discover him, you know, kind of hiding out in a dark corner when everybody else was on the couch eating potato chips, as, as his coach said. So those are the kind of guys the Panthers love. They love guys that love football. I know it sounds obvious, but, but that's another one.
0: And hog molly. I mean, it's, it, this is these are the kind of guys that you know Dave is always going to take a long, hard look at. Obviously, he liked what, what Taylor brought to the table. And I think, look, you look at this Panthers roster, and this was something you figured they might have to do, yep. with Michael Orr's situation being what it is. Darrell Williams, of course, is continuing to make strides and trying to push to prove to this coaching staff that he can be counted on as kind of a long-term answer at tackle. But you need some depth there, especially in this league. It's, it's hard to field a starting offensive line, let alone when you suffer an injury or two up front and you got to dip into your depth. I mean, it's just hard to find quality st- offensive linemen. And I think you, you take a chance on a guy like Taylor Motlin, who you feel has the kind of tools to succeed. And it, it, it helps you even if he's not starting. Having that depth, I think, is critical.
1: You had to you had to do something, and that's why I'm not 100 percent convinced this was BPA at the time, Max. You may know since you were you know welcomed into the war room on you know you had that special. It's it's, it's special funny you say pass. that.
0: I, I mean, go, I will tell you this: after being in there, Curtis Samuel was the top guy on the board coming out of round two. So that w- I can tell you that for sure. Now, as far as Taylor was concerned, I, I can't quite you know remember exactly how it all played out, but my best guess is that he was pretty high up there. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and I of,
1: think, in, and they did. It, it, sometimes, and I think a yeah. lot of times, that the need does kind sure. of merge Factors with, with yeah. best player, and they, they had to address the tackle depth with the unknowns with Michael or right now.
2: Yeah, I mean, and I was just going to say, I mean, sometimes, of course, these guys are graded so close together that you can say we took the best player available, but they're right there on Mm -hmm. the same level. Going back to the mock drafters that we started this with, I mean, he was regarded by some people as a very early second-round selection for what it's worth.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, moving into the uh, later rounds in the draft, actually we got out of round two with Samuel and, and Moten. Then we go to the defensive end, Deshaun Hall. And this was another one that seemed to make a lot of sense. When you enter enter the draft, you maybe thought, okay, Panthers are pretty set for 2017 right now if they had to play tomorrow at defensive end. But looking into the future a little bit, you've got some guys that are getting up there in age. Julius Peppers, Charles Johnson, Mario Addison will be 30 by the time the season starts. So, here comes the young defensive end, Deshaun Hall. Uh, And another interesting story here is the guy who played on the opposite of Miles Garrett, who we didn't really know much about, and now you start to find out a little bit more.
1: He does not like that being brought up. And I brought, I, it, probably up probably right up. I brought it up right off the probably top. Probably yeah. because <laughs> it's, it's brought up all the time. He, him and Alex Armand, I think, are certainly the, the two biggest projects in this draft class. Uh, it, it certainly looks like Hall needs to put on some weight. So yeah, if you can get those veterans, and over the last couple off seasons, Charles Johnson has has, has had some some injury um, bugaboos that, that he went into the season with. But I'm I'm, I'm thinking that the Panthers aren't aren't banking on Hall to be all that important of a factor early on in the year. This is more of one of those. It's almost like one of those NBA potential picks more so than a guy that can, that can help you right away. It seemed like.
2: Yeah, I can see that in comparison too. But of course, we know. The way the Panthers use the rotation, Mm -hmm. I mean, he'll get a chance. Oh yeah, no question. He'll get a chance, and you know, you never, you never really know. Um, You know, I love. You know, the strength thing is a concern. I mean, he said it himself. I kind of liked that he didn't mind saying, "Hey, I've got to get stronger." I know that. You know bench press numbers not great at the combine but you know i've watched a little bit of youtube on him too oh, yeah? and you know i bet you they're a good place <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> they were well no there were a couple where he was offsides those weren't that fun uh. to watch but you know um no but uh kind of athletically freakish in a good way yeah. obviously and uh you know to the point of how much would be counted on early it is kind of a no pressure situation for him, so to speak, that he does not have to come in here and carry carry the day. Um, and he couldn't have a better group to learn yeah, from. I mean, no doubt. You know, Julius Peppers as a mentor is a good starting start, starting point.
0: And I thought, Brian, you hit on it too. The, the, I love the fact that he comes out and says, "I need to get stronger to succeed at this level. I have a lot to learn to succeed at this level." If, if the you know, the two choices are a guy who comes in and thinks he knows it all versus a guy who comes in knowing that he's got a lot of work to do. Of course, you're going to take the kid who knows he's got to put in a lot of work. And I think coming in with that approach is a great way to start in Eric Washington's room. As you mentioned, he's around some great veterans who will be able to teach him. And you've got some athletic traits there that you can really work with, not to mention the measurables. I mean, 6'6", 270 pounds, whatever it is, 265 pounds. That's some good clay that Eric Washington can help mold. Let's move into some of the other picks as well. Uh, and Brian, I gotta say, you had the famous tweet heard round the world uh, when you tweeted. What, what was it? Uh, obviously, our, our guy Corn, who got selected by the Panthers. You also went with uh, uh,
2: Smith, uh, <laughs> Fish Smithson, <laughs> Max. Oh, yeah, there was a point. You're in the just drive. so good at enunciating <laughs> <You know. laughs> his name. Yeah, and, I, and
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm very impressed by how you. Yeah. You just don't say Fish Smithson. You <laughs> yeah. go fish. Smithson, yep. Yeah, well, Fish
2: itself is a special name. But something about the alliteration, not alliteration, but the sound of Fish. fish and now I can't say now it. Now you can't say fish it. Fish and Smithson together is pretty amazing. But anyway, back to the point, which is not really an important point anyway. But early in Saturday, you know, we're waiting to get Deshaun Hall. The Panthers traded their fourth round pick. So you're waiting until the fifth round for the first pick. Notice that Corn Elder from Miami and Fish Smithson from Kansas are both still on the board. Tweeted about that. Speculated they should have switched schools, right? Wouldn't the
0: corn Great tweet.
2: guy need to be at Kansas and the fish guy in Miami? And then I helped him
0: get the emojis on the tweet. By the way, everybody, if you saw that tweet and liked the emojis, that was so me. we're getting
1: credit. So I'm getting credit for the McCaffrey pick. He's getting credit for the Samuel pick. You're getting credit for the corn
0: emoji for the corn emoji. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah,
2: that's quite a packing order. Um, <laughs> and uh, lo and behold, we pick corn shortly after that. So of course, my focus the entire rest of the day was: Are we going
1: to pick? Fish Smithson. Well, that unfortunately, yeah, when the UDFAs yeah. got picked up. We should ask uh, Dave Gettleman and crew if he was part of their play. I would love to know. <laughs>
0: well, but Shrek, I mean, t- tell me what you think of corn the football player. Obviously, we love the name. What do you think of the football player? It seems like he's the guy that they, they needed to bring in to bring some depth to the cornerback room.
2: Yeah, not to sound like Mel kiper again, but I, I was surprised he was there in the fifth round when yep. the Panthers picked. I mean, I, I, I saw him a good amount in college in Miami, you know, ACC country, watching Duke, Carolina, NC State games, and. Obviously, the Duke game—we've talked about that a lot. That amazing mm-hmm. special teams eight lateral play that Richard Rogers uh, is like, wow. You know, I'm sure they're going to commiserate about which one of those uh, lateral plays, Cal Stanford or, or Duke Miami, was more impressive. Um, but obviously, you know, special teams—he will contribute, so that's worth noting. But you know, a pretty polished player in the back end of the defense as well. Uh, Bill, I'm sure you will um, be glad to speak on his size or lack thereof of. On, As far as how, yeah, I don't have much to say
1: on corn except I know his name is short for Cornelius. I cannot claim to say I was surprised he was there in the fifth round because after it gets past (laughs) like the first, maybe second round, I don't know where these guys are going to land. I I imagine, and he he played this down, but I imagine he'll have some sort of attitude like Captain Munnerlyn and Steve Smith and all these guys who I think you have to have Mm -hmm. that attitude because of your size. Like Cortland Finnegan, people thought. People thought Cortland Finnegan you know, that was was just like a bad dude, it, but you have to have this no attitude doubt. when you're that small in order to make it in this league. You and play that to. position, yeah. yeah. You have to just you have to get under people's skin. No doubt. A- and so I imagine he'll have a little bit of that.
2: Forgive me. He 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 will play with a corn chip on his shoulder.
1: Mm. <laughs> if we had the prices right, mean, are we able to do After one.
2: Effects in these and put in the prices <laughs> prices right horn? Yeah, that would be fitting. <laughs> Love the prices, <laughs> right? Okay, back on topic.
1: Uh, I was in the studio audience one time Fish back in the Smithson. day, Bill. It was amazing. Yeah. Did you yeah. get picked?
2: I did not get picked, but. It was like a game day atmosphere in there. I tell you, the intensity—it
1: it, was—it was pretty amazing. I'm being serious. Did someone win a car, like the showcase showdown? Like what? What happened? Yes, this is much more important. There, than there was the
2: almost a, an all-time record set in Plinko for winnings. I mean, to be there for that moment—I uh, mean, I'll never forget. What it. was
1: more exciting? Pre-game at Super Bowl Fifty. Or pre-game at
0: Price is I Right. I wish people could see Brian's face I mean, right now.
2: I mean, I got to go Price is Right. Yeah. Because when I think about the pre-game of Super Bowl 50, I think about the pre-game press meal. That, uh, what was it, pork wings or Weird, something like that? strange. Whatever that is, yeah. when pigs fly is what I said to those. So. That's what I've
0: got. He's brilliant. He's brilliant. Brian Strickland, everybody. <laughs> last thing on corn a word. Yeah. <laughs> as good as as good as this cornerback draft was i was just i was glad to see the panthers dip into it and take somebody because there's, yeah. there's a lot of good secondary uh defensive backs in this draft and figured this would be a good one to come away with another after in 2017 all right bill we finally got to your guy mm. the fullback well alex arm by way of
1: Linebacker, defensive end, and tight end. Let's talk
0: about a good story. This seems sure. like a pretty good one.
1: Sure. It's, it's it's a project. It's another one of these projects that, that you know, Eric Wallace, uh, Chris Manhurts, and now and now him. And and so it's interesting what I think it, it, it goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning. They're trying to find these athletes that that can play in different positions and, and really make a defense wonder what's going on and they're trying to become untraditional and and so I don't know if any of these projects are going to work out but I think they figure it's it's worth throwing throwing a flyer at it and and I think what's more interesting about the Armagh pick more so than that they picked him is that is that I think Ron Rivera is very clear about how fullback is still going to be part of this offense it, they still want that Mike Tolbert role around here, mm-hmm. so it's not. I don't think you're going to see like a traditional fullback role all the time, or a guy get as many touches as Tolbert did his first few seasons here. But it's still going to be a wrinkle they throw in, and I'm yep. guessing that'll probably be Darrell Young because I'm Arma's probably a little bit a ways away. You'd think It would take some time. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I, I, this story fascinates me. Mainly, be and you wrote. I think you wrote about this to lead to your story after you got drafted. Bill was just the Panthers revealed the lengths they'll go yeah. to find talent, right. and I think that's that's the fun part of this process is you kind of hear time and again people talk about if you got talent, the NFL is going to find you, and you know it's it's nice to say, but so many times you just see the number of draft picks coming out of the SEC and these big schools and the Big Ten and Pac-12, and it's like is is this kid is this kid like is really going to get discovered? Well, they have an area scout go down there and report back, and then what do you know? Here comes draft day, and Alex Armas coming off the board. I mean, it's an actual thing. This we happens. all
1: looked at the screen; and it said WGB or something. We all <laughs> right. thought it was Wisconsin Green Everybody's Bay. Everybody's asking me, right, Max, right, is that Wisconsin
0: true. Green Bay? Yeah, yeah. it's West Georgia. They find this kid, and they're not even drafting him to play the position yeah. he played. Yeah. Yeah. Listed as a DE
1: on the graphic. That's that was For, all, Yeah,
0: it's fascinating to me. That's fascinating. Mm-hmm. And it's fun, and we'll see how it turns out. And I
1: think people could, you can look back in hindsight three years after the draft, and if he doesn't work out, oh, how couldn't they take this guy? But when you get this late in the draft, having ideas like this, I think Dave Gettleman mentioned it on Saturday about it, was sometimes you just have to think outside the box, and and that's what they're trying to do with this pick.
0: And what he also mentioned was that he thought other teams would be interested. A couple other teams worked him out. You don't know when one of those other teams is going to make that call, so they pounced on the chance they had. Kicker. First time in franchise history a kicker is selected by the Carolina Panthers in the draft. Brian, I, I know you love specialists, I mean, so I'll turn this one over
2: I, to you. I mean, I'm honored to be a part of it. I mean, I was here for the Brad Nortman pick, the first punter in team history ever, Wisconsin. ever drafted. Yeah. And then uh, Harrison Butker from Georgia Tech, you know, my scouting report going on him going into the draft. Um, okay, okay, I didn't I didn't have one. So, but, um, yeah, I mean... <laughs> Do you it, know why I used to love Georgia Tech when I was a kid? I remember. You uh, because that. of the rambling wreck, the little jalopy oh, that's thing. That's cool. That's cool. It's, then yep. They have a great fight
1: song and everything, too. Right. Go on.
2: Oh, that wasn't it?
1: Well, no, I, I do. I, I just was just—it was,
0: was just, football.
2: And you know, basketball? I was just giving you
1: a tangent. Mostly basketball. I, I thought th- it was basketball. I either.
2: thought you were telling me why why you like Georgia. No,
1: State. it's a long story that I think you know. Since this is such a uh, serious podcast, and yeah. we're really sticking to football, I, I'm gonna. You save know, they have an open later.
2: open air press box at, oh, yeah? uh, at Georgia Tech. That's a unique experience, depending on the weather,
1: uh, but kind of cool, right? Well, if it's in the fall,
2: later <laughs> in the fall, maybe literally, <laughs> yeah, right? literally cool. Okay, so anyway, um, yeah, I mean, it kind of. Um, was prophesized by Ron Rivera saying, you know, we want to uh, increase the level of competition at all positions at the end of the season. But it was specifically to a question asked of him about Graham Gano, And, uh, you know, the Panthers thought this was an opportunity. I mean, they must really like this guy, I feel like, because there were, uh, you know, Realistically, they could have brought in you know a kicker that wasn't drafted. What three kickers were drafted? You know they had worked out some veterans. They hadn't signed any of those. Um, So they like what this guy has done the last couple of years in particular. You know his his career stats don't blow you away. I think seventy two percent on kicks but if you look at his last two years you know much much better obviously has improved as a player obviously has a strong leg based on his breaking it down the kicker uh, numbers I like it. Uh, hey that's all i've got but i'm a graham Gano <laughs> fan as well and uh, i mean what's better than watching a kicking contest at practice during a training camp uh, practice
1: Sorry to one up you, but I'm pretty sure, and I don't know why I know this. I saw it somewhere. I think that Butker was eight for eight in forty plus yarders this past. I believe you're yeah. correct about that. I don't yeah. know. You guys are bringing us strong. Well, Max, you have to study. You have this to is do your, your po- pre-podcast <laughs> prep. On I'm impressed on, on oh, yeah. the kickers. It oh, does seem. I mean, yeah, as you said, th- they didn't have to draft a kicker. First of all, though, they liked this one and they thought he might be picked up. and I also think it's it's more than just a shot across the bow at, at Graham Gano. I think this, is, this isn't just going to be a competition that you just say it's going to be a competition. I think Graham, by the end of the summer, will end up winning the job, but it, it's certainly not a guarantee. Game on, yeah.
2: yeah. Right, and uh, the Panthers are a winner in that scenario that you just laid out, that it's like a legit competition. You assume whoever wins the competition will have earned mm-hmm. winning that competition, and that'll be all the better come week one.
0: Yep. Yeah, so that does it for the 2017 Panthers draft class. In the undrafted free agent pool, they brought in some big names. Ben Bulware out of Clemson, the national champion, linebacker, wide y- receiver Fred Ross out of Mississippi State. I know the fans were excited about that. And now, guys, we get to turn our attention to rookie minicamp coming up this weekend. Looking forward to seeing the guys back out on the field for the first time in a while. Brian, it's been a while since you've been out on that practice field, man. I hope you can find the sunscreen. We don't want to see it. getting um, too It's supposed to be not too sunny, though. That's yeah, true. So that is,
2: it's going to be a little bit cooler. I do welcome that. I don't really want to experience anything close to training camp weather yet. So I have walked by the practice fields on my way to get food. Done. <laughs> They're ready. Does, <laughs> does, does that, that count? The are ready. Okay.
0: Yeah, they look good. Well, it'll be fun. I know we're all looking forward to covering it for you all. And maybe after the rookie mini camp, we'll get back here and we'll do this again and, and recap what we saw as we get ready for the offseason programs, next phase, and OTAs. But thanks for joining us here on the Panthers podcast. We'll see you next time.